Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a real restart, Tanner. I hated the first 30 seconds. We're <laughs> off to a great start. Yeah. Uh, Joe is here. I'm not sure if it's Joe or Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> Bought some new glasses frames. All jokes I prefer aside, TB. What? TB for short. Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> All jokes aside, they look good. I like them. I appreciate I'm that. I'm teasing you, but anytime a man changes his appearance... I think the boys need to come together and compliment them because it's a it's a big deal when you change glasses frames. It's like Homer Simpson wearing a black t-shirt instead of a white. It's a big deal. Well, with how large my head is, there's few glasses I have to pick from. So a lot of real estate up there. Yeah, a lot better watch real- out. Bill Gates might start <laughs> buying farmland on yeah. that forehead of yours. There's yeah, this is plenty not- of acres to go around. <laughs> Would drive a hard bargain for him. Well, but, you want to uh, talk about real estate, bro. Look at this fucking thing on my forehead, brother. <laughs> Look at it. It's honestly, I think today is the first day in 10 days where it looks and feels like it's getting smaller. Looking like Bill Murray and Osmosis Jones right now. Oh, brother, I ate that that boiled egg, man, and now I just got a full-fledged uh, movie going on in my insides. I got some creams for you. No, no. Here's, so here's the rub. <laughs> Quite literally, the rub. <laughs> So we get to Bandon, which we certainly need to talk about today. Uh, but I went on a golf trip. I was there for five days. And right before I left, this thing popped up on my forehead. Now, the only place I've ever gotten acne is like on my chin. When mm-hmm. I was uh, in high school and college, it would just pop up. But it was never that big of a deal. And so this has been a life-altering experience for me because I'm like, dude, Everybody wants to pop it. I'm like, guys, there's nothing to pop. I Trust me, I've popped a pimple before. This is not a poppable situation. Dude. Yeah. We're not pushing pee over here. Uh, there's a good pop culture reference there for you, Joe. <laughs> I'm on my game. And Peeling to the Zoomers. Shibby, who I was with, gave me a cream. He's like, oh, I, I that thing will go away in one day. Just put it on there. So I put it on. We go down to the pro shop. We're about to play our first round of golf. All of a sudden, I'm checking out. And Rich comes up behind me to check out as well because we bought some items. I bought a pair of sunglasses. We could talk about that as well. But he looks at me with a very concerned face. You know, when you could just tell there's anxiety and and, and stress in somebody's eyes. I'm like, what, what, what's the problem? And then the guy behind the desk who was checking us out, he started freaking out too. I'm like, wait, what's going on? I take off my, uh, my hat that I was wearing, put the front forward facing camera on, Brother, this thing broke out. For the first time ever, I had like an allergic reaction to something. Mm -hmm. My forehead turned red. It was getting crusty. I mean, it was wild. This guy pulled out sleight of hand, alcohol wipes, and was like, brother, you need to wipe that down right now. Yeah. So it's been a huge ordeal, clearly, as I've taken two minutes to explain (laughs) this bump on my forehead. (laughs) But we'll see. I don't know. I think I might need to go to the doctor. Well, I got some like antibiotic cream that's super strong. That's what I did. Oh, really? From Shibby. I'm going to- I'm gonna. I don't know what it was called, but I'm gonna go to the doctor before I put any more uh, friendly recommended antibiotic creams on here. Okay. All right. I use that on like I'll get like bad like cysts on my back. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. Similar because that's like a cyst. That's not like a pimple. As soon know? as you said that, I I, I envisioned uh, Space Jam when the aliens get big after they just got their talent and like their spine is like bulging out of their backs. That's kind of how it feels. You Do know? you name them? <laughs> yeah. Christoph and Jeff, Jeff, Jeffy, Jeffy, Taddy, bro. Funny <laughs> story. Serial killer references for those that didn't get it. <laughs> the 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 uh, the special education. Well, hold on. 
I, I biffed that already. <laughs> no, so the running joke between my mom and my dad, and then when we were kids, the elementary school that my dad went to, after he graduated, years and years later, it got converted over to a special education school. And so uh, when we were driving by one day, we couldn't believe it. And my mom just, instead of calling my dad Jeffrey, he was calling him Jeffy. <laughs> and uh, that's the running joke. What's uh, that movie, The Ringer? Yeah, The Ringer. Yeah. Incredible film, actually. Very funny. Johnny Knoxville is a fantastic actor. He really is. I love Johnny Knoxville. I wish he was uh, in more movies and stuff compared to what we see him now today. Like, mm -hmm. we got Jackass, the new one, which was really, really good. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that, last year, the year before? He had his run, early 2000s. So like, what, Dukes of Hazard, The Ringer. Yeah, him and uh, him and Dane Cook, I felt, I felt like, had a similar trajectory. They were all of a sudden, like, Dane Cook, Employee of the Month, which I still think is an incredible movie. Goated. And then kind of just, they both disappeared. Did you, have you been watching any of Dane Cook's cod streams i haven't no i haven't <laughs> i tuned in the first time i saw him tweet a twitch link mm -hmm. this was a long time ago and i was just more surprised than anything i'm like wait is he actually streaming on twitch he's just mm -hmm. like sitting on a couch with a headset on <laughs> playing on the biggest tv screen i've ever seen he's like in his theater room like playing just in like a reclined like theater seat well did you ever see the clip of josh yeah Driving yeah, yeah. around, uh, that bit that he does. He's uh -huh. an employee here at 100 Thieves, uh, now officially a content creator, but does a phenomenal job with LA Thieves, really understands social media. And he plays music, drives around in the Hummer EV, mm -hmm. and uh, picks people up and interviews them and stuff. And he got in a Dane Cook stream one time. But wow. Okay, we're back, Joe. Feels good. A lot has happened on the internet while we've been away. Just sunshine and rainbows on twitter as always yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sure that's the best way to describe it <laughs> yeah before we talk about any of the current events i do want to talk about bandon okay you know beyond the the cream debacle it was actually an incredible trip mm -hmm. we uh we played five days straight we played an obscene amount of golf and we had ourselves an incredible time now here's here's the rub for me when you read about Bandit on the website, which I tried not to do leading up to the trip, I just wanted to go in with no expectations, which I talked to you guys about. Curiosity got the best of me on the night before. I was just so jazzed up, ready to go. I just perused around the Instagram and the website, and it's essentially paying homage to where golf originated. You know, it's link style, and you're playing against the elements. And as soon as I saw the elements part... <laughs> I knew that I was going to be fucked <laughs> because here's the, here's the problem about living in LA. And I think this context is important about the band in discussion. If they, if it is a windy day in LA, we just stay home. We don't go golfing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not often that you need to check the weather forecast to go play in California, but certain times a year, whether it's in the traditional winter months and even bleeding into, you know, May and June, because we have this June gloom as they call it. If it's windy, for whatever reason, more than like 15 mile an hour, we're not going to go. There's been times where we go play in Palos Verdes where uh, Trump National is. Sometimes you get a bad break and in the afternoons it could get really gusty. And it, it was so bad at one point, we went out with two groups and it was 40 mile an hour gusts. And nobody, this course, if, you, if you're not straight off the tee or you miss in the slightest, you're fucked. So we all decided to pack it up after three holes and just play a scramble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, 
we all love to compete. That tells you how bad the wind actually was. So when we finally got to Bandon, it was a really bad hand that we were dealt because the majority of the golf that we were playing, the big 36 whole days were Sunday, Monday, and uh, Tuesday. And those were the only days in like the 10 day forecast that instead of the sun being the icon they use, it's just three gusts of wind. <laughs> we're like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see how this goes. First course we played was Bandon Dunes. Or I'm sorry, Bandon Trails. And what's great about that is about half the course is protected from the wind. So it's really not that bad. You know, mm -hmm. you get like 10 to 15 miles an hour. And when we finished up that round, I was like, oh, wow, that was really, really enjoyable. And then we went and played Pacific Dunes and Old Mac the next two days. And those are straight coastal courses. I mean, there is no protection from the hills. You're getting the, the full arsenal of Mother Nature. And fuck, man, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Just plain and simple. It, it you get adjusted pretty quickly about the distances that you need to hit the ball. You know, everything was pretty much four clubs up just to give you a real example. So imagine you've got a 130 yard shot. For me, that's a pitching wedge, sometimes even a gap wedge, depending on how well I'm striking the ball that day. But instead of having a pitching wedge in, it's 170 yards instead, and I'm hitting a seven iron. Yeah. And on certain courses, certain days, it would be even worse. You know, we'd have a 170-yard par three into the wind, and I'd have to hit a 240 club, which is my three-wood. Yeah. So it, it, it was just very demoralizing when you would hit a great shot, like that par three example I just used. I pierced. I mean, I striped this three-wood, and everybody's reaction off rip was like, holy shit, dude, that might go in. Mm-hmm knocks down in the wind and a three wood really doesn't have that much. I mean, that ball, depending on how well you come down on it, is not getting that high in the sky. Mm -hmm. Hits the front lip of the green, rolls all the way down. And it was just a disaster from there. And at that point I was like two over par in the back nine feeling great. So overall, the abandonment experience, the abandoned experience, excuse me, was incredible. Once in a lifetime, I'm, I feel beyond blessed. That I was in the position to be able to experience it because I know not many people will have that opportunity in their life. So for those reasons, I had the time in my life and it was unforgettable, but I think it'll be a long time before I go back to Bandon. Yeah. You know, it would be cool to bring out people that haven't gone before, uh, just to be, I don't know, their shepherd in a way and guide them through the week, just because all four of us that one had never gone. And I just don't think it'll be relatively soon. Yeah. I, 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 I know that there's going to, people are going to say, well, that's the fun of it. You know, that's the entire draw of Bandon. You're playing against the elements, it, it links style. This is like what golf is in Scotland where things originated from what I understand. But I would rather play in 85 degree weather with no wind. You know, I'll take three, four <laughs> miles an hour, but <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's just a it's a it's a tough pill to stomach when you hit a really good shot and you sort of get penalized because of mother nature. But I get it. I get why people do it, but I think people are drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you had a good time because I was talking to Mason about it at the house where you were gone and um the Instagram story you had were like Got a lot of golf content coming up. I know. Like, <laughs> mute me if, like, you don't care, whatever. So him and I were both like, where's 
where's Matt's golf content? I know, like, man. <laughs> something going wrong over there? Like, I don't know. I uh, I really had planned on shooting more and after that day being more interactive with social because it's been weighing heavy on me. I just haven't been as locked in with the internet uh, in the last month as I'd like to be. But the problem, you know, not to sound like a broken record, is the wind is just pretty jarring. I mean, mm -hmm. when you're walking from shot to shot, you're trying to stay warm with your hands in your pockets because it, it not only is it windy, but it's also like 55 degrees. Mm -hmm. And uh, in certain cases, the sun wasn't out, so even colder. So... I, I just, with how badly I wanted to play well, it honestly might have been better for me to be on my phone and just take it a little less serious, but it's just so hard for me to do multiple things at once. You know, when my brain is locked in on what I want to do, it's hard for me to multitask. So even though now sitting here, I regret not filming more, bringing my camera out of the backpack that I had in the hotel room to take photos, I... Uh, I just could not peel myself away from the competitive nature that I was battling against not only myself, but uh, the difficulty of, of the golf. But yeah, that was a big miss on my part. <laughs> Do you still have, how many holes did you play? I no. think it was around somewhere between 140, 180. I, I, I mean, it's simple math, but yeah. I, I, I didn't add it all up. Yeah. So do you still have the golf bug you've had for the last three months after getting a full week of golf in? Well, I, I absolutely still want to improve, and I, I definitely am going to continue uh, to take lessons and try to hit the range maybe like once a week. But what I've learned is that I'm capable of playing really good golf. That mm -hmm. I know. I mean, first day, shot 80, 80. Thought I shot a 79. We were out of the scores like an hour later, and uh, I was one stroke off. And that's been like the biggest thing that I've wanted to accomplish. I, I feel like as soon as I break 80 and take the pressure off myself uh, once or twice in, you know, like a month's time, that'll basically just open up the possibilities in my mind. And I won't be uh, hell bent on, 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 on that score. And I think it just makes me make mistakes. Uh, so once I can break that barrier, I mm -hmm. think I'll be good. And I think I can do that relatively soon. The problem is now it's just consistency. You know, on a long golf trip after taking a lot of swings, I feel like I just get lost in thoughts. And the best golfers tell you when you get out to the course, you shouldn't be thinking about anything at all. But since everything is so new to me, all this distance and all these fields, it's hard to block that out and 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 not try to self-diagnose while you're on the course. Mm. And so there would be moments where uh, on the front nine, even after uh, going 80-80 on the first day, where I'm like one or two over par and I'm feeling fucking fantastic. And then I'd kind of just lose a feel. Really where I get into trouble is just uh, this hook draw off uh, or this duck hook, really. It's not <laughs> a hook and a draw are very different. So let me <laughs> just make sure I clarify. But yeah, this hook just comes out of nowhere. Off the tee. Off the tee. Yeah. And no matter what I try to do differently in the swing, even if I feel like I'm doing something wildly different, I'm sure if I were to look at it on camera, it, it, the problem is with a hook, you're really not that far off of what the path should be and, and the contact. And so it just pops up and I lose, I kind of lose confidence. So I, I just need to work on the consistency of all the things that I've learned because I know the potential's there. Yeah. And I just need to be patient. No swing thoughts is my biggest problem for sure as well. I yeah. mean, I was getting a lesson and 
my instructor is having me swing with my eyes closed. He's like, which will go to show you how where my game's at right now. I'm hitting the ball. <laughs> Just close your eyes. <laughs> I'm hitting the ball better with my eyes closed than I am actually looking at the golf ball. So I'm just in my head. Head case. Yeah, it's all good, man. And and golf will do it to you. And that's why the sport is so incredible because it really makes you appreciate how good professional golfers actually are. I mean, I think that there are an abundance of single-digit handicaps, even low double-digit handicaps that are actually really good and can play like pretty great golf. But it's the consistency of delivering that on every swing and every hole that is really the 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 issue mm -hmm. uh and you know it's crazy people when they ask me about golf in my chat they ask me what my handicap is just from the 280s alone on the first day my handicap dropped down to a 7.4 it was right. actually a 7.2 and then i i had like a like a 91 i think i shot a 50 on the front nine it made it so much better because everybody was struggling on that front nine mm -hmm. and then i shot like a uh, a 41 on the back, which was a great recovery, perfect for my mental going into the second round that day. But I'm I'm, I'm a 7.4, and what's what's weird is like when you hear somebody say they're a seven, like oh they're pretty good at golf. But there are certainly rounds where I can shoot low 90s just because I can't get off the tee. Yeah, like my irons are really never the problem, and if I have a bunch of three putts, that fucks me as well. And that was the other crazy part is we were playing for money out there. I don't think anybody ever ended up paying each other, but when you're, you know, throwing up uh, a carrot in front of everybody's eyes and you're mm. like, okay, we can make some cash out of this. Everybody tries yeah. a little harder. Yeah. Uh, this, the three pots and just off the tee really fucking destroy your happiness. Yeah. But that's Bandon. So, uh, you know, I appreciate everybody's patience listening, uh, the anticipation leading up to this trip. I, I would say if you haven't done it, definitely recommend it. But if you're like me that does not enjoying uh, or does not enjoy battling against the elements, I'd pick a warmer place. Mm -hmm. You know, if I were going to do five days and spend all that money on golf, I'd rather go to like Scottsdale or Cabo or somewhere in Florida, you know, yeah. and really just uh, enjoy the sun and not beat ourselves up too much because I had blisters all over my heels. <laughs> it was a whole thing. But I'm really happy that I got to do it. Uh, the course and the staff were unbelievable. I mean, some of those courses were are definitely top 10 in my book uh, from where I've had the pleasure of playing. So all around, I'll give Bandon uh, 7.8 out of 10. If, right. if the win wasn't a factor, and that was the, the last thing I'll say at, before we move topics, is the final day we were there when we only played 18 holes and we're flying out later that day was the warmest and least windy day that we had. Mm -hmm. And it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can, if you plan ahead, you can pick and choose the, the, the months that you want to go. And they say that June, September, and October are like the best three months for Bandon. So if brother plan two years ahead, three years ahead, try to go out those months and you'll be like a kid in a candy store. It'll be an unbelievable experience. Great. Awesome. Well, I know we've got, we fielded some questions off Instagram, which we can get to later. Great. Because I've got some topics. I know you got some topics as well. Yep. Um, you want to dive into yours? Uh, I mean, the biggest things that I had all written down, first of all, this Asiana Airlines flight where somebody opened up <laughs> the fucking door of the airplane <laughs> while they were like 700 feet above landing. Uh -huh. First of all, I don't even know how somebody 
gets to the point where they're able to do that. Yeah. You know, as very somebody, concerning that you can just open that door. If well, if you're <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if that. you're 30,000 feet in the air, they say it's impossible. Like even yeah. where they were in terms of elevation, people are saying that you're not supposed to be able to get that door open. Yeah. You know, just the pressure alone from the outside, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be able to open that door. But you know, it's easy for me to say I would have jumped to the opportunity to stop this guy from doing it. But when you watch the video of the wind just fucking destroying the people sitting in the row right next to the door, first of all, I'd be shitting bricks. Mm-hmm. Like Just hearing about that story of the Southwest Airlines flight from a couple years ago where the window bursted open. Oh, and the lady's head got sucked out? Yeah. Oh, my God. That that it- I haven't sat next to the window since. That ass. <laughs> <laughs> that ass. Probably smart. <laughs> I'll only. I was on a Southwest flight to Bannon, and I was tripping. I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, but it's weird. I, I just, I don't know how it all unfolded, but crazy fucking scenes. I, yeah. I guess I don't really have all that much to say, but holy take, fuck. Take what's not given. Fresh air. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, turning this thing off. I'm seven, turning this thing off. I'm dry. Seven, uh, 700 feet up in the air. I mean, I guess I you could take solace in the fact that you're about to land, but I, apparently seven people got taken to the hospital. Nobody died, but... I think everybody knows that you have a huge fear of flying as well, right? Bro, if that happened to me on an airplane, I would never get on a, a flight ever again and be like yeah. Travis Barker. You know Travis Barker got into a plane crash? Yeah, wasn't he like one of the only people that survived? Yeah, and then up until uh, Kourtney Kardashian, or is that the right one? Yeah, uh, he had he for like twenty, thirty years never flew on a plane, and she got him to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could say whatever you want about the Kardashian family and uh, all these athletes and celebrities having relationships with the family, but if a woman is able to get you to conquer your fear of getting onto a plane after you were the only survivor from a fucking plane crash that's got to be real love dude that's true love i mean i guess also like 30 years at some point you just gotta be like all right fuck it like (laughs) i don't know if i agree there joe (laughs) well i guess you're different the thing is when i go on an airplane i've accepted that i have zero control yeah. If my plane goes down, I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, there's nothing I can do about it, you know? I mean, that's the mentality that you should have, bro. Like, odds are the plane's going to land and you're going to be fine. I was I was trying to use that mindset because we had really bad turbulence on the way back for mm-hmm. like 15 minutes. And uh, I really f- love flying with Haley because we calm each other down. But obviously she wasn't there. And I was <laughs> just telling that to myself. Like, look, <laughs> you're already on the fucking plane. You're already in the air. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Your odds are good. You're like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That flight did get really turbulent. Except you're like holding hands with like a sweaty random man next to you. No, instead. no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Day After yeah. Tomorrow, bro. That movie was fucking electric. It was one of the movies like Chronicles of Riddick or... Uh, uh, old school or uh, any of these movies that just played on repeat on TNT and like Triple USA X. when I was a kid. Triple mm-hmm. X. Oh, yeah. Goaded. Day After Tomorrow. Fucking incredible. Oh, it's awesome. We, uh, okay. So we talked about the Asiana Air Flight, uh, Airlines flight. Probably wasn't the most riveting tale, but <laughs> holy fuck, that shit was absolutely insane. Um, you know, 
we have to talk a little bit about the phase situation in Grace. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the people want to know your take. I don't think they're going to get much out of me that they're looking for, but we can, you know, brush over it. People on the live stream that I did yesterday were asking me if I was going to address it. I told them, wait till I can sit on the podcast because I don't want to talk about anything live, have mm-hmm. it get clipped out by DeSerto. To be honest with you, bro, I just think it's uh, wrong place, wrong time, one, and two, uh, just misaligned expectations. You know, we've we've delved into phase and the OG members versus the corporate uh, owners and operators of the company, where I think it's really just a misunderstanding of the situation at hand and miscommunication. I mean, that I think could sound a little ambiguous, but really what I mean, when you sell bits and pieces of your company over time, what you give up is sometimes control. And clearly the OGs of FaZe Clan are not happy with the direction and the things that some of the corporate entity have done uh, and how they've navigated the brand over the last couple years. And I think that's fair. But if you're really trying to be fair on both sides, you know, you sort of give up control the more that you sell. Uh, I don't think that perfectly encapsulates like what's actually happening because I'm always going to be on the OG side. Mm -hmm. Now with the gray situation for me, One, I feel bad for Grace because, you know, you can't really falter for being in the position she's in. You know, obviously, I think there's plenty of women in gaming that stream 24-7. It's their livelihood, and they have been working for years to create a brand that would hopefully one day get noticed by an organization like FaZe Clan. And Grace had the opportunity to fast-track that because of mainstream notoriety. And, you know... People got to play the hand that they're dealt. You know, what is she supposed to say to FaZe Clan if that's what she really wanted to do? Like, you know what? No, I don't really deserve this opportunity. It's just that's not the world we live in. Yeah. So from that perspective, if I were one of the OGs at FaZe, which I think they do understand because even going further into the situation after all the back and forth and the YouTube videos and the stream comments that Grace and FaZe Rain both made, Norton, uh, I think they're going to link up and they're mm. trying to, you know, put this mess in the past because the OGs are upset because they didn't really have any, what I can understand, decision in signing Grace. And I don't really think that they're upset with her. They're just upset with the decisions and the, the failed decisions that uh, the people that are operating FaZe Clan are making. Mm. So I think it's really just a combination of anger um, and just being taken back and surprised by all the things that have unfolded, man. I mean, everybody there, no matter how much you're related to FaZe Clan, whether it's a community member, an OG creator, uh, a staff member, a competitor, anybody that's a part of FaZe Clan has been absolutely stressed out over the last few months because Mm -hmm. of what's happening with the stock and all of the negative sentiments revolving the brand, revolving around the brand. And if I'm one of the OGs sitting back having to deal with that and watch it all unfold and see something that you created as a kid out of love and passion just get destroyed by not only people that understand the situation, but people that don't understand 
the the history and the background and everything that has came before with FaZe Clan, I'd be livid sitting in their shoes, having to watch, you know, something that you built up be just absolutely torn apart, mm-hmm. whether that's for good reason or not. So I I I I I don't think Norton is a bad guy. I've known Norton for a long time. And some of the things he said about Grace in that, you know, 15 second clip about making Stranger Things your whole personality, I wouldn't touch you with a 10 foot pole, you're mid, all yada, yada, yada. Yes. Was that too far? Absolutely, bro. No woman should be subjected to that type of uh, belittlement, uh, especially when, again, wrong place, wrong time for Grace. But he came out, he apologized for that. He said it was OD. He knew that. And it should have never made the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not giving him a pass on the whole situation because if you knew it deep down and it's only been 24 hours later that it was too much, you probably should have known when he said that he cut it out and then put it back in because it just didn't hit the same. That I think that was more just the internet, you know, attention-grabbing uh, DNA that he's grown over time from mm-hmm. trying to do YouTube and trying to get his name as big as it can be. So I understand why, uh, and I'm glad that he apologized because I think that was, she deserved an apology. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, dude, I'm I'm really not trying to sound like a politician. I just think that there's so much weight on everybody's shoulders and there's so many uh, ill will against different parties at the company and different people that it it's just there's no way for people to get their feelings hurt and there's no way for people to not to be uh, angry and upset mm-hmm. was that coherent did that make sense yeah i'd say so follow-up question to that um you mentioned control and how like them selling off parts of the company and they give up control and things like that. And I feel like for you, it's a balance. I wouldn't say necessarily that you struggle with, but it's always a balance of trying to figure out with how much you have going on as a creator and these other brands and products and promoting that and being relevant, but also running the business and being in the office every day. How do you deal with like that control or finding like the right balance of being super in the weeds versus like letting it operate? I mean, candidly, I'm not very good at finding that balance at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, I've been in situations where I kind of just need to turn off my brain and, and, and just be ignorant to the things that I don't like that we do. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I, that makes it sound more negative than it actually is, but it's like even coming down to like a, a YouTube title or a thumbnail or the copy on a tweet or things that I know if I would have had eyes on it and the time to give my opinion – whether it's right or wrong, it would have made me more comfortable to have a say. But we're just so busy, and there's so much happening at all times. Like you, you, you really have to give up control in certain aspects to work on the bigger picture. But mm-hmm. I think the the thing that I struggle with the most with Phase Clan, going back to that conversation and this comparison, is that uh, you know it's easy for the people on the outside looking in to point fault at the OGs, but at the same time. I always will give them the benefit of the doubt because there were situations at the beginning of Hunter Thieves and even in the middle of, in the midst of the company growing and raising money where I didn't fully understand the trade-offs and the nuances of raising capital and what that means for the cap table and, uh, you know, what's that going to do with control of the board and we got to have more seats and who are really the decision makers and and two the the other psychological warfare that I feel like these guys experience is 
you know, they're they're giving up control to people that they hope are going to make the right decisions in good faith for FaZe Clan. But a lot of times what the people that they hired and the people that are working there full time, they think they're making a good decision. They think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But there's no way for them to know that this is a terrible and awful decision to make because they just don't have enough experience and understanding of the nuance of the gaming industry. So, you know, I know that it's tough for people to watch the OGs get upset about where FaZe Clan has gone and where uh, they've found themselves in uh, the situation over the last couple months. And there's definitely has to be accountability in some capacity, but I give those guys the benefit of the doubt because you don't know what you don't know until it's, it's like hindsight. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys built this game or they built this community and this brand out of love and passion. You think they ever expected themselves to be publicly listed on the on the NASDAQ and be able to have a comprehensive conversation about the pros and cons of why this is a good or bad decision? Mm-hmm. And then even beyond that, they've gone through so many different changes with their staff and ownership. You know, they were working with this guy a long time ago. He brought in Lee. That guy got pushed out because he was doing some shady shit. I mean, they have been through a roller coaster of mismanagement and there's not many people in this world, even the, the, the best operators that could really crack the code of all the things that have gone well and things that have gone poorly. And I, I just feel for him, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't think there's as much wrongdoing. Maybe their reactions to it, as you could point the finger and say, hey, you should be a little bit more equipped to understand the situation you're in. But in a lot of cases, and I don't even say this in a negative way, it's ignorance. And mm-hmm. I think there's a negative connotation around that word, but sometimes ignorance is, you know, there's nothing you can do about the fact that you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you cut it. It's a lose-lose for everybody. I hope they can get it. Man, FaZe is just the brand that they built is just still one of the best and brightest in the in the community. And I, I hope that they can wrangle all this up and get them back on track, dude. How much do you think being a publicly traded company and having the pressures of shareholders and so much more focus on the actual numbers versus the brand has led to this point? From a staff perspective and the operators, I mean, it's made all the difference. Yeah. I mean, really, you you're, you got to deliver revenue and you got to deliver growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the other paradox you end up in is that added pressure of driving revenue, that starts to impact the decisions that you make for the brand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes in a perfect situation, the decisions you make to make money and what it will do for the brand, perfect situation is all positive. Two thumbs up on both sides. But a lot of times when you're operating a business, what happens is you'll do things for the sake of making money. But if money wasn't a part of the question or part of the equation, you wouldn't have done those things in the first place. So it's it's really like a game of chess trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we continue to drive revenue while also doing things that will be beneficial for the the brand perception overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get into a lot of trouble, especially with gaming organizations, because sometimes those inherently work against each other. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like that kind of is the crux of esports organizations is 
how do we make money while still preserve like preserving the brand yeah and not leaning one way or the other too far yeah 100 man all, all in all man the things that we can control or at least the things that i care about the most is i hope grace and rain can figure this out mm -hmm. and i think they will dude norton's a good guy yeah uh no matter what people's perception of the past and what they've done with anything regarding negative connotations uh in the past with phase clan i know those guys deep down i know where they started who they are as people and of course everybody wants to make some money uh and make money off of something that they love like that's everybody's ultimate dream and they've had some missteps uh whether they knew it or not at the time they've made some poor decisions but at the end of the day they are the reasons why phase exists they're the reason why the community exists around them and they're young they're learning and i think they'll be better in the future because i know who they are at their very core their dna is they're they're great fucking guys mm -hmm. and they don't wish ill will upon anybody i i think they're we're cut from the same cloth dude i don't want to i just want to live my life build something that will last longer than i will be here then i'll be here myself and hopefully make some money on the way without uh cracking too many skulls on the way dude like mm -hmm. nobody i'm telling you man for whatever you guys think if, if if you look at the ogs of phase clan with a negative lens i can't i can't move you one way or the other whether that's true or not mm -hmm. uh but i know deep down that they're they're great guys and i hope they can figure out and and, and get phase back on track I think that was very well said. Um, what was I going to say? This is a nice awkward silence. Got Celtics Heat. <laughs> yeah. Game Dude. seven, brother. I mean, the Celtics were looking scary there uh, going into the going into halftime. Mm -hmm. They were down by like 14, 15, 16 or something. I think 17 was their largest lead, but that was after the half. Um they look close all the way up until like the middle of the third quarter going into the fourth uh from there on out the heat just took over i mean jimmy butler hit three threes over the course of some really pivotal moments of the game mm -hmm. and he doesn't shoot a lot of threes uh jason tatum wait did i just say his name right yeah jesus christ jason <laughs> tatum uh jason Bourne. Yeah, right? He was dealing with an injury. You could tell he just wasn't himself with his ankle. Yeah, he sprained his ankle. And it's drive. hard, I would imagine, as a fan, you're like, yo, it's game seven. Wake the fuck up. Let's go. Mm. But, you know, these guys have been grinding for like two and a half, three weeks now in the playoffs. Brother, that body's got to be at its break, breaking point, especially with like a sprained ankle, sprained ankle or something along those lines. Mm. But what a wild fucking series, man. Yeah. I almost... I was rooting for the Heat because Max Struess, you guys have heard this story, but he, uh, it, it really would have been wild to see the Celtics for the first time in NBA history to come back from 3-0. Yeah. 149-0, every team that has ever been up 3-0 ends up winning the series. That would have been crazy for just the legacy of the Celtics and basketball. But no matter what, I, I, I just I think whether it was the Celtics or the Heat, it's going to be a fucking battle against the Nuggets, man. I I would love to see a competitive series, but mm -hmm. the Nuggets have now had like a week of rest. I mean, the Heat are going to get like two, three days, but after that, 
it's good. I think the first game will be pretty telling about how the series is going to go. Going to Denver, got to deal with the elevation, less oxygen, no rest. Yeah. But a couple things. Tanner's over there clapping. He's a fucking Colorado sports fan, which is okay. Middle market teams, I'm happy for him. I'm rooting for him. But you don't like the Broncos? Yeah, well, this this guy. Peyton Manning, dude. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. Jay Cutler, who used to be who was a bear after that. But first, fuck Boston sports. Oh, okay. We're really just <laughs> letting it all They win way too much. I'm so happy they lost. Celtics. Everybody talks about Jason Tatum being next up and how good this team is. I think they're grossly overhyped. So the fact they even came back was pretty crazy to see, but I'm so happy Jimmy and the Heat won. And then in terms of, like, the script, everybody's talking about how, you know, the NBA doesn't want a Heat-Nuggets matchup in the finals. Personally, I think it's going to be a great matchup. I can't wait to see what Miami does, like, on defense with Bam. If they're going to run their zone, if they're going to have Bam, like, D-up Jokic um, or Jokic. Jimmy, obviously, on both sides. I think it's just going to be, I mean, is it going to be flashy? Probably not, but it's going to be great basketball. Yeah, man. You know who I'm actually really excited for is uh, Eric Spolstra. I Mm -hmm. mean, a lot of people gave him quite a bit of flack when they were winning uh, championships with LeBron. It was a young coach at the time. People felt like he was just gifted this opportunity. I love the photos of him starting in like the video room uh, when he uh, first came up with the organization. Where mm-hmm. I mean, that's the tale of the Miami Heat, right? Like really just rewarding people who work hard and spend yeah. time with the organization. Like even when they uh, cut, I think it was in like game six or maybe it was yesterday, game seven. You see Alonzo Mourning sitting with Riley and just keeping people in the fold, what they do with Udonis Haslam. Yep. I, you know, it just like you can see the sense of like camaraderie and family and rewarding the togetherness. I, you know, not to sound too emotional, but I think it's fucking incredible. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to see what Spolster, uh, you know, dials up to try to combat the, the Nuggets if they can at all, but see how he adjusts throughout the series and what the game plan is going to be. He was kind of in his bag, too, in front of the media. Like, he's usually pretty reserved. And, I mean, the guy was just calling his shots. And he's like, I remember he's like, we've been here before. Like, we're ready for this. Like, you're just gassing the team up the entire time. And it's a man of few words. I'm like, okay. Okay, Spo. He's like hitting his like new coaching arc. He's hitting his Phil Jackson coaching arc. I feel like I'd have a hard time being a, a Boston Celtics player because I feel like Boston as a sports city – to go all the way, force a game seven, and then to just fizzle out in the fourth quarter and people are leaving, you know, Jason mm-hmm. Tatum uh, finally going to the bench. People are heading to the, the, the fucking uh, parking lot. No round of applause, nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get it, though. I get it. You know, this team has been handed opportunities over the last three, four years. They've had their opportunity to win and prove that they can be the best team in the East, and they just keep coming up short, man. they got to make some changes, dude. There's no other way around it. Jason Tatum is young, too, I will say to his credit. I've seen stats about where, like, LeBron and Jordan were at in terms of their finals appearances and wins at Tatum's age, and they didn't have any wins. Uh, I think Tatum's, like, 25. Um so, I mean, he's still young, obviously still going to be hitting his prime, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Brown leaves. People were talking about like, trying to get Jalen Brown over to the Warriors, dude. Yeah. 
for That'd Wiggins. That'd be fucking wild. That would be crazy. But we'll see. I'm excited to see the shakeup. NBA offseason's always great. Always I love fun. the NBA offseason. It's probably my favorite offseason out of all pro sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a testament, though, to the, uh, the parody around the league. There's so many players that you can consider an all-star. And if they get subtracted and added to another roster, just the storylines are that much better. Yeah. I'll tell you who I don't give a fuck about, though. Kyrie Irving, dude. I'm so sick about hearing of Kyrie Irving, man, and mm-hmm. the drama around it. Any team that he goes to, bro, he is a parasite. Yeah. Any organization he joins up. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Dude, the Mavericks were... Everything was going great. You <laughs> yeah. think this trade works? Fuck no. They were awful. Terrible. And they and shut it down. They're already the talking about is he gonna get to over to the Lakers, bro? I am so fucking tired about hearing about Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. God damn. Did you see Stephen A's take? What did he say? So reportedly Kyrie basically told the press that to like stop talking about him. And Stephen A's response was like, We talk about basketball, we allude to things, try and speculate on all things related to basketball, as well as all media around the NBA. And if you don't want us to talk about you, we talk about basketball, don't play anymore. Yeah. And he's just like, plain and simple. Like, we're going to keep talking about you. Like, it's how you get paid. The media. Yeah. What fills those contracts, so. Man, it's just, fuck that. I don't even want to go deeper down it. Like, it's just a bizarre situation, dude. And I'm not equipped to talk about the nuance of Kyrie Irving. And I know he's an unbelievable player, but... Mm -hmm. I'm just so sick about hearing him in the headlines. It's it's. It, I'm sure he's annoyed, obviously, but yeah, it's the it's his demeanor and how he carries himself, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get me started on this flat Earth shit <laughs> yeah. from years and years ago. <laughs> like, brother, you went to fucking Duke. <laughs> how are you walking out of here thinking the fucking Earth is flat, brother? Like, <laughs> we, we got to talk about this one, but. NBA, Business man, the ethics. playoffs are coming to an end. I'm sad. This is probably the most locked in I've been with. Oh, my God. Did you see that insiders at the Chicago Bulls think that Lonzo Ball will never play again? Mm-hmm. Bro, it really is my fucking luck for the first time <laughs> in a long time to be like a true. I mean, obviously, I got mad love for Devin Booker, and I loved watching them play. I wanted the Suns to win so bad just because how good he's been to me, and he's the fucking killer. Mm-hmm. But just watching... And having new age uh, opportunities to follow basketball players early on in their careers with YouTube and Chino Hills, for whatever reason, bro, my brain chemistry is just so invested and such a fan of Lonzo Ball. And to see all the controversy that he dealt with, with going to the Lakers out of the draft and not meeting expectations getting sent down to New Orleans, and I watched almost every fucking regular season game they played. Then he finally gets an opportunity with the Bulls, and the man had rebuilt his jump shot, was looking like an incredible two-way player. Mm-hmm. Just, I I thought, without injuries, you know, given one or two more years, he's an all-star. Without 100%. a doubt, dude. And I'm hoping that whatever these headlines have come from or this news is being shared from, it's untrue. Yeah. I mean, like, motherfuckers literally getting his cartilage replaced in his knees, which Mm. is, I think they said he'd be, like, the first player ever to come back from that, except for one other player I forget was somewhat similar. But, man, what a wild turn of events for just the Ball family in general would that be. For the audience listening as well, you have a Lonzo Ball 
signed jersey hung in your office, office. with Devin Booker. I've got mm-hmm. two signed basketballs from Lonzo Ball. <laughs> yeah. I've got the Triple B uh, sneakers oh, in a glass shoes? case. <laughs> oh yeah. Were you in? Were you living in LA when he was still at Chino? Yeah. You were? Yeah, bro. Did you ever go to any of those games? Nah, I should have, though. We should go to some Brownie USC games. Yeah, we definitely should, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, what the fuck, dude? Everybody I mean, says it's uh, had his his dad not had him running up fucking asphalt hills his entire <laughs> life. His <laughs> knees would still be preserved. I mean, Melo's injury-prone, too. Yeah. Everybody likes to make jokes around these uh, the big baller brand sneakers. You know, I think he only wore those for, like, a couple games, or maybe it was, like, half a season, which I guess is a lot or something along those lines. But yeah, I, th- I don't think life-altering damage like this is done in that short period of a time. But who knows? Maybe they're right. Yeah, but, I mean, he's had been, what, two years of no play? A bunch of surgeries. Knee hasn't gotten better. They're going back under the knife. He already went back under the yeah. knife, dude. Motherfucker needs to go to Germany, dude. Go get some <laughs> plasma. Maybe they got something in Turkey. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the people go to Turkey for their hairlines, dude. Mm-hmm. I might be doing that one day. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, same. I don't fucking know, man. Yeah. Man, fuck the NBA. No, I love the <laughs> NBA, dude. I love it so much. NFL offseason's been great, too. Just we gotta... can't talk about it anymore. I can't talk about sports anymore. I just got to get my free JMO bit in there. Um, Troy Lions receiver suspended six games, but. Free JMO. Can't bet on sports, dude. Yeah. Can't bet on sports if you're on a sports team. Can't do it. Simple game, really. Yep. yep. Um, huh? Yeah, I bought a free JMO shirt. I couldn't find it in the mailroom this morning. I was going to wear it for the pod today. But... I love that. <laughs> yeah. Bro, can we talk about this catastrophic breakdown that Atlanta Faze had at this major? Fuck, bro. I mean, it kind of sucks seeing slasher in the crosshairs of my displeasure for their roster actually i don't even bro i don't really even fucking hate anybody i dude i think simp and abizi are dogs i think selium's a dog too but i will say <laughs> this dude had the highest kd out of anybody in that series slasher three players out of I, I think it was three players. Three three of the players on NYSL had a negative overall KD after a seven game series. Meanwhile, FaZe had three people positive. Mm-hmm. Something's that is painting a story that I don't think enough people are talking about. Isn't it like every time we beat FaZe too? Like we're negative KD? It, for the most part, I mean, look, bro, the problem that I have with Slasher is after they won uh, in the finals. They he came out and said, "I taught you guys everything you know." Mm-hmm. You know, I I I give him his moment uh, from an objective perspective. One, he knows that's not true, mm-hmm. but two, he won. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He was one of the only players that didn't come back. We, I mean, I love, I really do love Austin, and I think he's an incredible player, but. You know, it's not five-man rosters anymore. And Kenny and Octane have had a ton of success without him. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very unfair. Uh, but I just, I wish I could have got to play against Selian. Because I know that he's a fucking unbelievable player, dude. If mm-hmm. he ever sees this clip, I just want him to know. And it's not, I don't even care if I had beef with him. I think he is unbelievable. The, the players around the league agree. The coaches agree. But something has got to give. Yeah. You cannot be walking out of a series where you lose, and they have lost in the finals a couple times 
over the last two years, and this guy's walking out of there with like a 1.3 KD, bro. Something is wrong with your gameplay, if mm-hmm. that's the case. And maybe it's not as black and white as that, but from my experience playing, you know, there is a time and a place to worry about stats. Like, if somebody's got thrown up like a .5, yeah, maybe an issue. But, it, I mean, Priesta, I think, had like a .78 coming out of this series, bro. He was like negative 40. Yeah. And they won the fucking tournament. I mean, look, you can argue that it came down to like search and destroys. I mean, FaZe was up 5-2 on uh, one of the earlier search and destroy maps, like in the middle of the series. You can't lose four rounds in a row. Mm-mm. It's it's the worst feeling in the world because as a player, you're trying everything to do to stop the other team. You know you're just one round away, but just nothing is working. And it, it doesn't happen often, but comebacks like that, just fuck you mentally. Yeah. They really do. So I, I have some... Uh, I feel for the players in Atlanta phase. Yeah. But I, I just think with that roster, what they've had for the last two years, they should have they should have closed out more tournaments. 100%. What are your thoughts on uh, LAT for the weekend? Uh, Bro, I'm not worried. I, I'm really not. I think... Uh, just the three zero versus optic alone was enough for the tournament for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to have that be a juggernaut matchup, ninth to twelfth place match, that should be like winners finals or losers finals, yeah. if that. So you were kind of you were kind of hyping optic up after the match too, looking like scrap out there. <laughs> yeah, is that really uh? <laughs> what we should be talking about here, Joe? Does he really believe that? Mm, no, but... Man, fuck you. What do you Dude. want me to say, bro? <laughs> fuck Hector, fuck Scott, fuck Optic. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm kind of pandering. No, it's all right. I mean, it makes sense bro, for viewership's it, sake. Look, it's not like I'm bending over for the sake <laughs> of pleasing uh, the community. I'm bending over for the sake of... I truly don't have like ill will versus Hector and Scump. Yeah. And I have been on the receiving end of losing to Optic. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to feel like fuck Nate shot. Yeah. We just beat LAD. <laughs> fuck that kid. Yeah. We're that, those are my brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's most fun beating your best friends, you know? Yeah, bro. But like, I can't get up there and dance like a fucking clown. I forget to. You have I'm, yo, listen, thousands of people watching. I, I completely yeah, agree, <laughs> actually. I completely agree with you poking fun at me because of what I said about Scrap. Uh-huh. But me and Scrap, it's a different situation <laughs> very entirely. Different. Very and different. Obviously, I'm biased on that. But yeah, brother, it felt good to beat Optic. And the the match versus Royal Ravens was actually a lot closer than the, the, the score lines shows. Mm-hmm. But Toronto Ultra, man, we we could have won that series, bro. We really could have. I mean, the hard point, we definitely lost. Search and Destroy should have been over after the ninth round. The control just had a couple fuck-ups. You can't... That's the tough part about that game mode, especially on Hotel. If you go 3-4 dead uh, while on defense, you're going to have a bad time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like the fourth round or the fifth round where Toronto just... We went all dead within the first like 45 seconds of that defense and they took that opportunity and they took it well. And we had plenty of opportunities in the last round to close that out. And we just could not kill the last player. Mm-hmm. They just, they, the, the last player alive or the last two players alive would pick up like a two piece and then trade just kept happening. And then we die, spawn all the way a kitchen. 
and it was just fucked. We should have yeah. won the search and should have won the control. Yeah. If a couple kills, couple situations go our way, I think we beat Toronto Ultra, uh, barring we win the hard point or go to game five in the search and destroy. But we have them first round of champs. Yep. So we have uh, definitely have an opportunity for some vengeance here. We need it. Well, I think I saw we're one and four against them. Yeah. On land. You know what's tough, too? I think uh, saw people talking about it, and it's definitely not an excuse by any means. We lost fair and square. It is a really tall order to have L.A. Thieves sit around all day Saturday. I mean, they didn't get to play until like 7.30 Eastern time. Yeah. Meanwhile, Toronto's been warming up all morning and afternoon. They just played a series versus FaZe. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, from a momentum perspective and just rising to the occasion of what that match was, they were sort of already in the saddle. Yeah. But 100%. at the end of the day, if you're the best team, you should be able to do it at any point. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much warm up you've had. So I, I still think that could have played a factor into it. But, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Starting in losers is tough, too. Anytime we ever drop a series, I feel like the boys, like, really dialed in. Yo, bracket. we either got to cut right here and pick back up because I got to piss like a racehorse. But <laughs> you can keep going or something. I just got to pee real quick. All right, we're back. We're back. We're back. That's the first time I've ever had to leave mid-episode to pee. I'm not happy about it. Uh, it happens. All right. So real quick, going back, because I was thinking about it, standing over the urinal. <laughs> I just want to nail home. With your pants around your ankles. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Imagine a play walks in. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, When you were in grade school, did you guys ever uh, get as far away from the urinal as you could yes. to see how far Dude, you could what pee? Kid, what kid who we did not like either was not paying attention and walked through a kid's piss stream. And it was maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's so fucked up because those traumatizing situations that happened as a kid, you definitely remember it. So that yeah. kid 100% remembers it too. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I think the kid when I started crying, he's just like, are you kidding me? Like to just piss all over his fucking denim pants or like whatever the fucking store was. Good material to be wearing though. If you're going to get pissed on, I'd, I'd rather be wearing denim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I want to go back and talk about two things regarding Atlanta phase and then LA Thieves. Okay. Okay. We talked about Slasher, and I want to go back to this Cellium topic. Okay. Just to be clear, the point that I'm trying to make is that you cannot fall short in the finals and tournament series while everybody is slaying as much as they are. And just to dig deeper on the slaying component, whether it's Cellium, whether it's Simp, Ibizi, or Slasher, there have been so many situations where I have played with unbelievably talented players who start off on the right path by making the right play, by staying alive, playing their life, and holding positioning rather than advancing forward, whether that's hard point or blitz or control or capture the flag. But there have been so many situations, again, where that good play that you just made turns into a bad play because you didn't make the right decision after staying alive. Does that make sense? Sure. You know, and that's why I have an issue with stats. And... I'm not blindly sitting here saying you can go negative and not get a kill on the map. And just because you're making the right play doesn't mean uh, you're contributing. There is a medium. There is a middle point that needs to be found because, dude, just there's too many times when people are, I don't think in a finals at that, we would ever be playing for stats. There's no situation where I think Celium is individually sitting there thinking, I'm going to get my stats up. I know for a fact that isn't happening, but 
I think his brain is just hardwired to like, I need to kill everything. And sometimes it's a good play, but sometimes it could be a bad play and detrimental for the team. Mm -hmm. And the it's a domino effect. Yeah. Every <clears throat> decision you make on the map is going to impact your teammates. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I cannot look at these stat lines from the teams that Selim has been on and they have won a lot. So uh, maybe I should just shut the fuck up, but they've also lost a lot in the last yeah. two years when they should have won. So are you saying that's the, is that what you, is that your diagnosis of the problem? They're playing too much for kills? I don't even, I, I, I don't think that's the accurate description of what is happening. I just think that the way that they play the game needs to be tinkered with just a little bit. It's not going to take much, but there are small decisions that are happening on the map that either they need to dig into as a team and go over every second of every VOD of every decision of where this arrow went on the minimap after every kill and every second passed to find out what's actually causing the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. You just can't have that many kills and be losing. Simple as that. Well, I hope they don't figure it out in the next couple weeks. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. Again, very talented. Yeah. Uh, and then I want to talk about Draza, dude. Every event, people just get angrier and angrier. Jesus, angrier, angry. I'm angry. Uh, people just hate Draza. I love it. I fucking love I it. Fucking I know we've it. talked about this a lot, but I, I don't fucking care. I envy his position of being so hated. It's incredible. The fuck you Draza chance that the crowd was cheering at LAN. I was like, if I was him, I think I'd be erect on stage right now because getting that much out of a crowd, that much of a response, means you're doing something right, you know? I 100% I agree with you, but really what I wanted to bring up one last time. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I, th I think you're right. Like, it's a, it's, <laughs> a, it's a very interesting position to be in. Go on with the chlorophyll. <laughs> chlorophyll? <laughs> Listen, this kid draws a is exactly what I just said. He's a kid, okay? And somebody tweeted at me because I posted the photo of the screenshot from the video somebody recorded when he gave the bird to the Toronto Ultra fans mm -hmm. when they were chanting and booing LA Thieves when they walk out on stage. Bro, think about three years ago where Draza was. I mean, whether you agree with making Call of Duty your livelihood, if you think that's a good decision... Great. If you don't think it's a good decision, don't fucking care. My point is, where he was three years ago, this man has done everything he has ever dreamed of. He has won multiple majors. He has moved to a major city in the domestic continental U.S. after coming from <laughs> Alaska. I know I brought that up. I'm not trying to build a, a, a sob story here. But there is an element of empathy that I think people should have for this kid. He doesn't owe anybody else fucking anything, dude. This guy is playing for himself and playing for his teammates and playing for the organization. Full stop. Mm -hmm. He has won a world championship. Many players will never do that. I never did it. I envy that position that he's in, and he's won multiple majors over the course of some incredible years of Call of Duty while he was being benched, substituted in and out. I mean, this guy really fucking did it. Mm -hmm. And... For somebody in the NBA or the NFL, I think it's much easier to be hated. You know, it's much easier to be the villain because you're getting paid tens of millions of dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars in some situations. And everything 
is just a little bit easier to tolerate knowing that you are creating generational wealth not only for yourself but your family. True. But this guy Draza, this Call of Duty career is everything for him. He got himself out of a poor. I don't know. I, I don't know if he would describe it as poor, but uh, like a, a tough situation. Yeah. You know, his regular life to now being hoisted, catapulted into a position where now there are hundreds of thousands of people waiting on every reaction that he has, mm-hmm. whether that's good or bad. And when you put somebody who doesn't have the experience nor 99.9% of people you put in his situation would probably act the same way. It's like, what did I fucking do to you guys? I, 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 I'm just trying to win. Like I'm just trying to prove something to myself and I'm doing that, but people hate me because I draw off a little bit or I'm cocky or I'm full of myself. And that's why it just makes it so hard for me to see how much bullshit he deals with. And yes, you could say he brings it upon himself, but I don't think any player in esports is equipped and you can learn and you can, through experience, gain the ability to deal with these emotions and the pressure that you deal with as you get older and been around for a long time, but he has not. Yeah. So can you imagine like finally achieving all that you wanted, but everybody hates you? I know it might sound a little bit like a sob story, but man, I feel for the kid. I really do. I don't think he gives a fuck. But when I'm, I'm sure when he's sitting at home alone at night, it kind of, it'll probably weigh in his mind a little bit. Or mm-hmm. he's just fucking different, and he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I'm not personally able to do that, bro. Like, if ten people are mad at me on the internet who are intentionally and, uh, uh, and it's very it. it it's in front of me. I can see it. These people are angry. That shit's hard, bro. It is hard to have people angry at with you at you for something that you didn't ever intend to make people angry. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a caveman way to describe it, but I, I just have a hard time when I put myself in his shoes, like how that must feel. It's kind of a bummer, dude. It really is. But he thrives off it, clearly. Yeah. So all the power to him. I just... I don't think he deserves it, man. Yeah. And I'm biased, but he's a good kid. He's a really good kid. When I get to spend time with him, you can tell that he's just lighthearted, wants to have fun, really fucking cares about his teammates, and that's all you can ask for out of anybody when you work with them in a professional setting. So, Guy worships Call of Duty, too. That's all he does. Bro, he wants it more than most, man. Yeah. And if you can't tip the cap to that, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, bro. And, bro, I don't fault the Toronto Ultra for making this chant. You know, it's like when you're around other people doing the same thing, it's like kids watching a fight at school. It's like, why didn't you stop it? Like, oh, am I going to be the weird kid that goes against the grain and tries to break this up? Mm-hmm. Kids aren't equipped to deal with si- th- th- yeah. like mass decision making. You know, it's I just think it's unfair. But love who fucking cares at the end of the day, man. I mean, yeah. nobody fucking cares. I'm just I got to say I got to speak my piece on it because the kid just doesn't deserve it. I'm sure he'll appreciate that too. I don't you know, fucking care if you. I, I'm saying this for me. I'm being selfish because yeah. I just feel for him so much, man. It's fucking crazy what this kid deal with, is dealing with. I think love and hate are the strongest emotions you can elicit. And if you're getting one or the other out of people, I think that means you're doing something right. Hundred percent, dude. And very Shakespearean of you. Everybody loves people to a point where they tear them down. 
And I think if you're just basking in the hate already, the ceiling's limitless. Yeah, look at this guy, Block Party, dude, the professional golfer. This guy goes on a, one podcast, says if he has the same distance as Rory McIlroy, that he would be an elite player and be winning tournaments. Mm-hmm. Bro, you think he meant to insult like the entire golf world over those comments? No, he's just confident in his ability. Whether yeah. it's true or not doesn't matter. The guy is speaking to what he believes. And they loved him for a week. And then a week later, everybody's like, we've had enough, bro. Fuck this guy. Yeah. The the internet and just when you get opinions from the masses, man, it it, it tear you up and, and, and beat you down. Like, bro, I was reading this fucking Reddit thread. Again, man, I'm not even going to bring up scrap. I'm not. Um, you know, I, I screenshotted it too, actually. This has nothing to do with Draza, but I, I've, I've got a gray one. And this is how fucking delusional the Call, the Call of Duty subreddit actually is. <laughs> Optic Gaming. And this is, you want to see, see me bend the knee? This is the opposite of it. And again, this has nothing to do with Hector and Scump or the organization, but it comes down to the players and the, 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 the fucking sheer audacity and I don't care how grumpy I sound, dude. Fucking hate me all you want, bro. I'll join Draza. <laughs> On the after we three out Optic and they were eliminated from the tournament, somebody posted and said this might be the most shocking showing I've ever seen from an Optic team. And then this is when it got personal for me. Somebody followed it up with the next comment was, "I mean, AW Champs definitely wins that title." LOL, <laughs> bro. It had 50 upvotes. <laughs> Bro, are you telling me that a fucking team, our roster, who won three major tournaments in a fucking row, we got seventh, eighth place at champs, and that's worse than a team who has still yet to win on land with this roster, goes 5-0 and in online matches, and then gets 3-0'd, 3-0'd, 9th through 12th place? There's only 12 fucking teams. There's only 12 fucking teams at the event. Cut chance we got 30 fucking two. Yeah, we didn't play well. We fucking know. We got 7th, 8th. You're telling me that the loss that the Optic Gaming organization just experienced after being the number one seed to get bounced out of a tournament after not winning a fucking map is less disastrous then Optic Gaming winning three events in a row and then losing at champs seventh, eighth place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How are the expectations any different? Our expectations, yes, yeah, certainly are higher going into the world championships because we were the favorites, but you were the fucking favorites by a long shot coming into this tournament. Mm-hmm. And you think what we did at champs was worse than what just fucking happened? Bro, you didn't win a fucking map. They win any majors this year? No. Fuck no! You guys are sipping the fucking <laughs> Greenwall Kool-Aid. You guys are out of your fucking skulls. I think I need... And then and then people gotta go, go look back at the history books when Optic Gaming was so much fucking worse. You got Shotzi, Dashy, Hook, and uh, fucking Ghosty. Alright? Three players, Dashy, Shotzi, Hook, who, without a doubt, you ask anybody in the community... 
are they better than Nate shot? They will. I will absolutely fucking agree with you. Our worst placing was ninth through twelfth at like G two. We won fucking maps, bro. We won fucking maps at that tournament. Mm-hmm. We didn't get bounced out of that bitch. <clears throat> You're telling me you got three generational Call of Duty talented players, and you get fucking waxed, and that's. Not as bad as what we did. Mm-hmm. You guys want to go look at some fucking history books. You want to start talking about teams and contributions and stat lines. And, bro, our fucking roster was way worse than what you guys say pound for pound on paper actually is. And they got worse results. We won a fucking tournament every year when I was on that fucking team. And I don't care how many fucking times you heard it. You guys are sipping the Kool-Aid. And, yeah, I'm in my fucking feelings, dude, for sure. <laughs> guys, please. I don't got a fucking gun to your head. <laughs> From what the situation that I just laid out is somebody who doesn't understand the nuance of competitive Call of Duty. Would you agree with me? I would. I would. Because, I mean, with you guys coming in sweeping, obviously the expect like, or having three wins that year, and your, your expectations are through the roof, right? Yeah. But, so I can see the their argument, but the fact is that the precedent that you guys set by winning three is just unfair for anybody to make a comparison because they have nothing, they haven't won shit, and, like, they come in 5-0. Like, the fact you guys already won three, like, you guys are chilling. It didn't matter what you did at Champs, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, for the legacy, yes and no, but... It's the, like saying, like... That's the biggest That's the biggest issue for me is that it's... um Obviously, very different competitive formats. And I think that works in my favor for my argument and against it. But there were 32 teams at yeah. Chicago Champs. Oh, okay. That's crazy. Every every year. And maybe I could be wrong. Was there 16 that year? I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. But all I'm saying is, bro, if there's 12 teams at a tournament and you get dead last after winning five online matches in a row and you don't win a map, it, it is – I am – beside myself to think that somebody can think that that performance is isn't as bad as what we did at champs you guys are like the 2016 warriors that blew a 3-1 lead to lebron coming off a couple chips already and this opic team is like the boston bruins in hockey this year broke a record for most wins in the regular season most points and lost first round yeah that's a i mean i don't know hockey but it sounds like a pretty good comparison (laughs) yeah I, I, I can't wait to see the comments on this because I know I've talked about it a million times, but competitive nature, dude. Don't attack our team mm-hmm. or what our team was and compare us to that. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's just the last part that gets me that I already brought up is just like the caliber of players on that team. Like we talk about how good Shotzi, Hook, and and Dashi are. And, and, and I... I've, we've already seen it. Like a month ago, month and a half ago, people were like, Hook is unbelievable, bro. Hook's like the best player in the game. And, and, and now every comment, dude, Hook wasn't even looking in the right directions on the minimap. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Just don't sit here and say that these are like the three greatest Call of Duty players of all time and then give them the benefit of the doubt when they have probably the worst tournament performance in optic gaming history. That's it. I'm sure I'm missing something here. I would love if there was like nameless or a Call of Duty historian here to fact check me. Uh, 
But yeah. I guess we'll just throw caution to the wind and see how, how people respond. <laughs> yeah. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly for you. You know, you still. Oh, no, for sure. Look, still got yeah. a lot of love over there. I love I love the boys over at Optic, and I actually have no problems with any of the players either. I'm just, it's the fucking community, bro. Keep shots, keep name shots, name out your mouth if you're gonna be talking about AW champs. All right. Yeah, that one's always just gonna. <laughs> it's gonna. That's sting. gonna ruffle my feathers. Dude. The loss already stings for you. I haven't been in. It. Don't forget, dude. Yeah. Uplink, uh, uplink. Uh, what fucking map was that? Comeback uplink. <laughs> Don't ask me. Come back up, Link, dude. Go look at the fucking stat sheet. The last the elimination map versus phase. Just go take a peek. Mm -hmm. It was 32 teams. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking joke. You but guys are fucking jokes. A couple gladiators in the arena. These guys got it teams. easy We get now. seventh, eighth. There's 12 teams, brother. You didn't even participate. <laughs> Do you see the Reddit post, Optic Highlights, and it's like, <laughs> for a major five, it's like, them eating, and like, them waiting yeah. for their Uber. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> Yo, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> hey, dude, we gotta, we gotta, like, restrict YouTube internet access, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, dude, if Optic wins, COD champs. <laughs> <laughs> I want that green wall coming down dude, on me if, that, if Optic I'll wins, be on COD a champs. fucking milk carton, dude. <laughs> and I, I really do think they're a good team. <laughs> But if we're just talking about that event, it's got to be the worst performance in Optic Gaming history. It has yeah. to be. Thanks. All right. But, all right. Um, we, we did our thing. Yeah. It's 12 o'clock. You got Holy a meeting shit. right now. I got a meeting? Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning in to the, the podcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. I'm going to go say a prayer and... Uh, Hop on a flight. <laughs> Open some doors. I don't get it. I don't know. I <laughs> just... Oh, 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 oh yeah. the Air Asiana Airlines. Got <laughs> yeah. it, got it. Yeah, yeah, good job, Joe. You got me on that one. Uh, YouTube, Twitch, Spotify, <laughs> fucking whatever. We'll see you fudging later. Goodbye.